morning and welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour live on a Tuesday, January the 16th. Already, wow. Already halfway through. The exhaust is in the air. It's car auction week in the Valley of the Sun. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. For over two decades, we've been right here. 800-951-0592 is the toll-free number. All American Gold is the website. And yes, this is not a drill. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and I'm laughing because now apparently Japan uh, pulled the Hawaii and somehow said, said uh, a missile was coming and I don't know how they were. You know, they said that somebody hit the wrong button. You do know that there is no button. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, part of the, this, when you listen to this show, okay, yes, you are going to get annoyed because you're going to realize most of the places where you go to get the news doesn't actually tell you what really happened. And yeah, that's right again. Why, how, how have we been able to do this for uh, tw- over 20 years, 22 years? That's why. The one place you can go and actually find, there was no button. You know, and I was thinking that maybe there should be a button. And, you know, probably that button should be like uh, have a cover on it. Uh, maybe uh, you got to break the glass and do not hit the button unless it's an actual emergency. Something like that. That was easy. Yeah, not <laughs> not the easy button from the office supply store. Not that button. <laughs> but there isn't that. That isn't what. There's not like a switch. No, no. It was a drop down menu on a computer screen, and he just clicked on the wrong one. And. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, isn't there, it, you know, if you're going to activate the, you know, hide the women and children and you're going to create, you know, mass pandemonium, that they would be like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, something where, hey, uh, you need a supervisor code, something, I don't know. Uh, but But nonetheless, yes. I guess the, the, whoever, the unnamed person in Hawaii, uh, can, who has now been reassigned, by the way, because apparently, you know, that's what happens. That's why you got to love government jobs. You can really do just about anything and, and still not be fired. Uh, it's kind of like being a bank in this country, right? You can, you can rob people, cheat people, steal from people, and it'll be okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, one of the things that happened takes a while for this stuff to get out while well, we we're all on, on the... Uh, Christmas holiday break. The president uh, gave a bunch of banks a, a free pass. We'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah. He can feel better or she, I'm not sure. Because uh, apparently this morning, maybe Japan just felt bad for Hawaii. You know, because a lot of uh, Japanese descendants lived there, so they wanted to make them feel better, and they, they did the exact same thing, apparently. Someone needs to come up with a better mouse trap. Uh but yeah, there was no button. Just so just so you know, uh it was a drop down menu on a computer screen and apparently yeah, it was 
pretty easy to to make the mistake, especially when you're trying to leave at the end of your shift. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah. So if you listen to this show, you're going to get annoyed. Y'all are. You're going to get annoyed when you hear other people talk about Bitcoin and they actually have no idea what they're talking about. You're going to get annoyed when people start talking about the stock market, but they have no idea of what they're really talking about or or the tax cuts or or any of those things. This is why I always said, you know, uh, when I first met Eric all the way, you know, all those years ago, and I, I just loved him. For those of you that don't know who Eric is, you listen to Friday's podcast. Uh, Eric, my wife's uncle, I call him my uncle because we're better friends than than him and Sarah are. At least in my mind, we are. And, uh, you know, we used to play a lot of golf together. And, man, we had some great times. And, and I would tell him, oh, gosh, he's such a great guy. I love him. <laughs> but he he's out there. You know, and I was like all about the, and this was, you know, I was in my my mid to later 20s when I met Eric. And I was all about the tech thing I was. I was, me and my brother, we'd call each other on the phone and, and talk about what tech stocks we were going to buy. And, and I was going to, you know, I was convinced that I was going to be rich. And that uh, I was telling me, oh, yeah, the NASDAQ's going to take out the Dow and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was full blown. And everything that Fox News said had to be true. And I loved watching the billionaire channels. And and then I met Eric. And now who would have thought that I'd be here? You know, and he was that wacko with the tinfoil helmet on. And now I'm the wacko with the tinfoil helmet on. Because, you know what, quite honestly... Uh, when you really look at what's really happening out there, you go back, what what is it now? 200 and, I can't do math today, 30, 40 years ago, 240 some odd years ago, to our founding fathers and the Constitution, and why, why they really, there was only real, one reason why they wanted the money to be gold and silver. Because they knew what would happen when you put the bankers in charge. And you look at today, I don't even know how many people were out on the idiot bike. It's now a sport now. Kind of like everyone calling Bitcoin a bubble. Now uh, the stock market, everybody's coming out uh, talking about how the stock market's in a bubble. And, and, of course, we know the bond market's in a bubble. The credit markets are in a bubble. And everybody better get ready Another huge announcement out of China today. We got a great show lined up for you. Back to the radio news hour, 800-951-0592. As we sit here in in this world that's gone completely nuts. Uh, We've been talking a lot about the dollar. And we're in this uh, dollar uh, decline. We're in this dollar decline cycle, uh, and this is going to be another one of a very similar cycle to what we saw. You know, starting really probably what in about '04 and running all the way up till about 2013. Uh, we're in it again, and really uh, because of the, I guess you know, if you want to call it the fake news of they fixed it. Yeah, they fixed the the problem by by 
taking a debt problem and doubling and tripling the amount of debt and somehow saying they fixed it, and now the rest of the world is waking up saying, yeah, okay, we're going to play along, but we're just getting ready. Right? They're all getting ready, and they're all putting... Uh, the pieces of the puzzle together, and they're all, whether they're adding gold, they're bringing the gold home, they're diversifying their country's reserves. By the way, uh, remember yesterday we talked about how Germany said, hey, yeah, we're going to add Renembi to our reserve. Today I got a whole slew of countries that are following suit. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, in the latest reminder that uh, the Chinese may not be such a happy holder of some $1.2 trillion in U.S. treasuries. China has its own credit rating agency. You know, the here we have, like, we have Moody's, S&P, and Fitch, right? Those are the what we call the big three, right? When it comes to debt issuance. Companies go to one of those three rating agencies for them to to slap a, a, a grade on it, a rating on it. And and the the higher or the better the rating, the the less amount of interest and of course the lower the rating, the more interest you have to pay. Like Illinois, right? We know Illinois they, they get the worst ratings, right? Because they got it's unpayable there. Well, China has its own. Daegong downgraded the U.S. sovereign ratings overnight from A- minus to triple B+, citing deficiencies in U.S. political ecology, saying that the tax cuts directly reduce the federal government's source of debt repayment, weakening the base of the government's <laughs> ability to repay the debt. And just to make sure the message was heard loud and clear, the ratings, which are now on the level of countries like Peru, Colombia, Turkmenistan, I don't even know where that is on the map. On the Beijing-based agency scale of creditworthiness, they also said that they have a negative outlook on the U.S. debt. Now, you got to start putting it all together. And I know, listen, I know we get caught up in in uh, stock market rallies and, and fads like, like Bitcoin, and we get caught up in, in uh, interest rate hikes, and we fixed it, and we got this great economy and all the great tax cuts, and everybody's getting thousands of dollars added to their paychecks. And then you, what you really, and I know, and it's so hard, you've got to be able to set that all aside and look at things and look at what really is happening, right? All this day-to-day, it's nonsense. Does it really matter what happens today or tomorrow? What is the trend and what is it going to be like 
in three to five to ten years. Remember when the stock market used to used to be? Oh well, the stock market's looking ahead. <laughs> Remember, they used to look ahead. Well, we're looking ahead. We're not looking at 2018. We're looking at 2019, 2020, right? I mean, that's how it used to be when when I was quote unquote growing up, right? When I was the the uh, poster child for the dot com bubble. Yes, they're looking ahead. Now they actually they spend more time behind, and, and anything that happened in the last 24 hours is the most important news. See, and this is and the reason why is because they don't want to look ahead. Because if they look ahead, they got to tell you, well, yeah, it's not so good. On Tuesday, Daegong warned that the United States increasing reliance on debt to drive development would erode its solvency. And this is really this is really the problem at, at its core. And what I've been trying so hard to get you to understand, right? We took a debt problem and now we've said, you know what? Let's just double down, triple down, and we're just going to solve a debt problem with more debt. And guess what? You can get away with it for a little while. Right? But then things start to get, you know, cattywampus. Right? Now you've got a stock market rally that everybody's like, uh-oh. Wait a minute. I'll get to uh, Robert Schiller. He has the CAPE index, which most people view as the best valuation instrument uh, that's out there, right? I mean, it's just the best that we have today. It says the stock market is the most overvalued in 140 years, which is pretty much the whole stock market. Uh, I don't know how long it's been around, but that's probably the since inception or close to it. But we'll get to that in a minute. Back to what China is doing. The reliance on debt to drive development. By the way, this was uh, Reuters, if you want to know uh, uh, who was the one that did did the release. They made specific references to the tax package, which is going to add uh, trillions of dollars to the debt. Deficiencies in the current U.S. Uh, I guess what they're calling ideology of let's just uh, add to the debt and we'll worry about it later make it difficult for efficient administration of the federal government so the national economic development derails right from the right track so it uh, you know again they're saying it's about ending now right we we Massive tax cuts directly reduce the federal government's source of debt repayment. And and uh, and hold on here. I got a again, of course, always an internet issue. Refreshing the page. Uh, the virtual solvency of the federal government will likely become a a detonator of the next financial the next financial crisis. The virtual solvency of the federal government will become the detonator 
for the next financial crisis. And then you start thinking about all the other things that have happened, right? All of a sudden now, you know, China's had reserve currency status, you know, late 2015. I, I say, you know, from 2016, right, they, they got added to the uh, special drawing rights from the IMF. They're in the basket of currency. And at first, they didn't really do a lot with it, right? They were getting things put into place. Now they've, they're getting ready. They've done all the testing. They're getting ready now to launch uh, the ability to make trades and clear trades in their own currency, something that they've never done before, which, as I've told you, uh, will now uh, make countries want to add the renminbi to their currency reserves. And, and as we talked about, how do they do that? How do they add to their reserves? And the answer really is is a simple one. They do it by buying debt. Right? Most of these countries, it's not like they sit there and they hold $1.2 trillion of U.S. dollars in the bank. See, even they don't trust the bank, because they don't. Right? Who would know more than the governments, though? And so they, they hold a lot of it in, in, in treasuries. And that's how you hold dollars or hold euros or, or whatever it may be. And we, we saw yesterday where the German Central Bank said, hey, guess what? We're going we're gonna to add the renminbi to, to our basket, the, the Chinese yuan to our basket, because we do a lot of trade with them. And since they're going to start clearing trades in their currency, yeah, we're going to start owning it. Then today, China's rating agency comes out and says, hey, guess what, rest of the world? We're downgrading the sovereign debt of the United States. And based upon our opinion, it's got the creditworthiness of Uzbekistan or Turkmenistan or Peru or Colombia or some other third world country. And kind of putting into motion, hey, there's a new player in town, there's the new sheriff in town, and we're coming. And you better get you better start lining up and you better start adding our currency to your reserves. Because in the future, we're going to start mandating, guess what? Yeah, you want to buy our stuff, and we want to, you want us to buy your stuff? You're going to have to do it in our currency. You know, when we talk about uh, like stuff like trade deficits and trade surpluses and, and what they mean, and I go back to, to when, when I first started talking to Eric, and he was talking about NAFTA and GATT. Right, and I'm over there thinking, have you watched TV? <laughs> Do you watch, you know, the the idiot box? I mean, it's been it's going to be great for America. And and of course, Eric so eloquently put it: this is what it's going to do. It's going to crush all the jobs. Right? It's going to. Uh, we're we're going to manufacturing is going to come to all. Now now we did we celebrate today. You know, we're not even celebrating mediocrity. 
that you would think we're having this manufacturing renaissance by listening to these people. But if you go back to what we were doing 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I mean, it's it's a scary thing, especially if you take oil out of the equation. Because that's the one thing we are. Uh, uh, all time, I think the took out 1970 as far as production. We hit 10 million barrels sometime, I think, like right now. Pretty close. Any day now, we're going to be producing 10 million barrels of crude oil a day. But, you know, we used to run trade surpluses. You know, and that meant wealth was coming into your country. Now we run trade deficits that are somewhere like $600 billion a year. Right, even with the great manufacturing renaissance. And, of course, our debt with the Chinese, by the way, hit a new all-time record high in 2017. But all of the wealth is flowing into China. You know, how did we become the world superpower? Right? And, and, and the answer really was quite simply because we became the world superpower because the wealth was flowing into this nation. We ran trade surpluses for decades. And now the country that runs the trade surpluses is the Chinese. It's not the United States. It's not rocket science. Right? Why is the dollar falling? It's not rocket science. It's like, well, everyone's like, oh, man. The United States is going to have to double the debt here again. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back right after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative perspective since 1983, continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. Each year on January 16, we celebrate Religious Freedom Day in commemoration of the passage of a wonderful Virginia statute. Thomas Jefferson's Statute for Religious Freedom was passed in 1786 by the Virginia Assembly and served later as the underpinning of our First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. In his draft, Jefferson wrote, Almighty God hath created the mind free, and all attempts to influence it by temporal punishments tend only to beget habits of hypocrisy and meanness, and are a departure from the plan of the holy author of religion, who, being lord of both body and mind, yet chose not to propagate it by coercions on either, but to extend it by its influence on reason alone. Religious Freedom Day was first set forth in Presidential Proclamation in 1994. It followed the passage of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that reaffirmed commitment to our First Amendment freedom of religion. Religious Freedom Day is now recognized every year by official proclamation of the President. A study of the writings of our country's framers, like Thomas Jefferson, quickly reveals the distinct importance of religious liberty. The same brief study will also quickly lead to the conclusion that they viewed the First Amendment and our freedom of religion as a protection against the interference of government into the church, not some tool by which the government can remove religion from the public sphere. 
1808, Thomas Jefferson wrote to Samuel Miller, saying, I consider the government of the United States as prohibited by the Constitution from intermeddling with religious institutions, their doctrines, discipline, or exercises. Every religious society has a right to determine for itself the times for these exercises and the objects proper for them, according to their own particular tenets. Today we find our culture at war, and religious liberty one of the primary targets of the radical left. Our First Amendment rights are bombarded every day through the schools, the courts, and legislative bodies. Today, let us remember the foundation of our religious liberty in America, and thank Providence for the wise and godly men who formed our nation. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When America turns our back on our Christian heritage, we shouldn't be surprised when biblical precepts like honesty, kindness, respect, justice, and freedom are abandoned. At phyllisschlafly.com, we still believe in rights endowed by our Creator. If you agree, find out more at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Right? It's confusing, right? It really isn't that confusing. The only thing that, that, that really makes it confusing is is the length that they go to to try to convince you that it's somehow going to to not go the way every, the rest of the world says it will. More central banks in Europe revealed plans on Tuesday to hold yuan as part of their foreign currency reserves highlighting the Chinese currency's rise into an elite league of the world's major reserve currencies, responding to to inquiries by Reuters. Placed with central banks across the region, the Bank of Spain, the National Bank of Belgium, uh, let's see, the... the, I'm sorry. The National Bank of Spain says, yes, we're getting ready. The National Bank of Belgium said, hey, we've already started buying. Slovakia said it also has already started buying. The Swiss National Bank and the Bank of England already manage one asset, And, of course, yesterday, Bundesbank said it planned such an investment. Uh, The Swedish National Bank said that they hold no one currently, and they plan no investment. So the Swiss, or I'm sorry, the Swedes responded with with no. We're, We're not going to do it. Uh, the the one entered the IMS special drawing rights, of course, and we talked about that. Uh, right now, the the holding of one is still small, but you're starting to see it. So we got uh, one no, right from Sweden. We already found out that the Belgium, the uh, Slovakians, apparently the Swiss and the Bank of England have already started. Spain says, yeah, we're getting there. And, of course, Germany yesterday announced, yeah, we're going to get there, too. And, and the answer really is simple. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? 
right? There it is. It's right in front of me. Exactly how we said it was going to happen. But I think back to what Eric used to talk about when he talked about NAFTA and GATT, and it happened just the way he said it, and it was right. Still happening. Now we celebrate, we, we, like, it's not even mediocrity that we're celebrating with this quote-unquote, it's a manufacturing renaissance. Right? We just import more cars than ever before. We import more everything outside of maybe some crude oil than we've ever done before. Our trade deficit with the Chinese has never been bigger. And yet we're out there trying to say that it isn't happening. And then you find out that all of these central banks, as this debt thing has grown, just, I mean, when we told you this was how it was going to work, people are going to start turning away from the dollar. Why do you think we're in this, this period where the rates are rising, yet the dollar is falling? Right? It doesn't, it's not supposed to work that way. But yet here it is. And the answer is simple. The, the rates are rising because the debts are getting ridiculous. Right? And they're rising because, well, you know what? Uh, well, they were zero for almost 10 years, so they got to go up a little bit. But the realities about what's happening out there are, are really not being told. Yesterday, I didn't get the student loans. I want to get to it today. Over three years ago, when the full extent of the student debt crisis was becoming apparent, the Treasury Advisory Committee, okay, so this is uh, uh, the Treasury Department, uh, they, they are the, uh, they track it. I don't think they have any power, but they, they, they have the data. Released an analysis and a long-term forecast which showed two things. One of them was up to a third of all student loans would likely end up unrepaid. And in the total amount of student loans, which currently now sits at $1.5 trillion, uh, nearly 50% more than all the credit card debt in the United States, by the way, According to the Treasury's Advisory Committee, student loan debt is going to hit $3.3 trillion in 2024. Okay, Again, put, put it together. Pull your head out of your cabeza. Pull it together. Well, that may be it, too. I don't know. Pull it out of the backside. We are in a massive debt bubble. Here's the problem, according to the advisory committee. Not only is the debt in student loans going to skyrocket, and I'm a, listen, I've got a senior in high school. We were at a recruiting event this last weekend on, on Saturday. Uh, it is... I'm almost positive. I'm right now. If you told me, I'm 90% sure this is where my son is going to go to college. He's going to go play football for them. It cost fifty-seven thousand dollars to go to this school for a year. 
Who can afford this stuff? The Brookings Institute offered news of a dire observation suggesting that the looming student debt default crisis is even worse than what we thought. The analysis suggests that 40% of borrowers are going to default on their student loans by 2023. (laughs) Remember, like, not even 10% of people not paying their houses caused a horrible housing crash. This is going to be something that's going to be over $3 trillion. And my guess is 40%. Let's just, you know, call half of it isn't. Half the people are going to default. The forecast says that student loan debt, this is how quick it's going to jump. Okay, it's $1.5 trillion today. By 2020, it's going to be $2.5 trillion. By 2024, it's going to be $3.3 trillion. Oh, and by the way, half the people will be in default. And then you start listening to what the Chinese rating agency had to say today, and it starts to make a little more sense, doesn't it? Picture Radio News Hour. Don't worry, though. Stock market's at an all-time high. Not a bubble. We'll be back right after the break. 800-951-0592. During the week of Christmas, the Federal Register announced that the Trump administration issued waivers to Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, Barclays, UBS, and Deutsche Bank, who are all facing charges of fraud and corruption due uh, and th- due to their involvement in the LIBOR scandal, in which they colluded to de- deliberately depress the rate at which they paid out on their investment, uh, suppressing the inner what they what they call the inner bank offer rate at the beginning of the economic crisis and the mega banks uh, were able to boost their earnings to give their customers a false sense of security uh, over the holiday the president of course listen this is what they do right they they grant the waivers to the liars and the cheaters and and and, and cover it up and try to you know they don't you know, obviously, I didn't see Donald Trump tweeting about it, right? We didn't see it. Uh, but yet there it is, uh, one of the things, again, uh, that leaves you scratching the, your head. One of the things I want to talk about is so today. I don't even know. Uh, they had a big parade of people out on the idiot box talking about the stock market bubble. And I'm less worried about that one. I really am. Uh, because I'm more worried about the the debt bubble. The bond bubble is the one that's going to be the 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 crusher out there. Uh, but when you look into the ratio, one of the things that that uh, somebody made light of, and I'll give the credit here. I'm just waiting. There you go, uh, Peter Cook, and they talked about the rising rate. And they they quoted one of my favorite guys, uh, Jeffrey Gunlick, who is a guy I talk about a lot on this program, Bill Gross, that the stock market will start falling 
when the rates go above 2.63. Right now, the 10-year note's at like 2.54, but when it goes above 2.63, I have no idea if that's true or not true. I mean, why? You know, it, it, it's weird that they put a number on it like that. Uh, does that mean if it's if it goes to two six two, but doesn't go to two six three, it'll still going up? I don't know. But the one thing that he did talk about was the PE ratios. And Robert Schiller, he has what they call the Cape Index. And while none of these are perfect, this is kind of the one that most people. Uh, have the most faith in. His ratio, the CAPE ratio, highlights how cheap or expensive the stock market is relative to its historic average. So if you go back through you know, all of the hundreds of years, comparing the current CAPE ratio which before today stood at 33.38. And by the way, so what that really kind of means for you is if a, if, a, if a stock was made a dollar a year, its stock price would be $33.38. The median value is 16. So stocks would have to fall by more than to get into the historic norms. The chart is more than a historic historical chart of valuation. It also charts investor psychology compared to history norms. Right? So it does more than just, hey, here's just the valuations, and then of course you, you have the you know the survey, the the survey index and all of that stuff. And according to uh, to the CAPE index, right now they say that the the peak of the rallies from the stock rally from 1982 to 2000, the CAPE when the tech bubble burst for the uh, historical norms on investor psychology hit an all-time high of 45. That was, uh, the, the. they say today, stocks are more highly valued than at, than at any other time during the past 140 years, including the peak at the end of the roaring 20s. Right, talking about the stock market crash of 1929. If high valuations are a sign of investor psychology, then investors today are more optimistic than they've ever been at any time in the past. Today's high valuations indicate that in Investors see more future upside, or what he calls reward, than future downside, which he calls risk. And the difference between the reward and the risk has never been higher. By the way, in the the CAPE index, you know, 
P is price, E is earnings, and and all of those things. And so I just wanted to just it's very interesting when you start looking at all of these factors put together. So here we have this record stock market rally. Right, and people say, well, you know, rates are so low that, that it works, and, and the tax cuts, right, and they give you all of these reasons. Right, and throughout history, there's always reasons. And, and you, you say to yourself, okay, wait a minute. Through the whole history of the stock market, this index has never been this optimistic, including the dot-com bubble, including... The, the crash of 1929, then you factor it in with what the rest of the world's doing, and you kind of start to see the picture of what they're getting ready for. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. Final segment on this Tuesday. Uh, the U.S. markets were closed yesterday. Uh, today, uh, the, the gold and silver markets essentially took back yesterday's gain. Uh, so gold right now is it's unchanged from Friday or down five dollars and thirty cents uh, from yesterday, thirteen hundred thirty-five dollars. It's actually thirteen thirty-four eighty, uh, but I'll round up thirteen hundred thirty-five dollars. I'll call it a pullback. Listen, we've only had one, which was about eight bucks. Uh, gold actually, I went down to to thirteen thirty-two, so it you know it fell about eight bucks. Uh, right now, thirteen thirty-five. Uh, the silver is up a couple of cents from Friday's close at seventeen dollars and sixteen cents, but it's down uh, twenty cents uh, from yesterday. Uh, so the uh, I guess the good part in this is there's no gap in the chart. Uh, the one thing that's weird is I'm showing, and I, I didn't see it. But it appears sometime overnight, silver went down to 1680 and came all the way back. I don't know if there's maybe a gap at that level or not, uh, but both gold and silver uh, filled the gap that was left on yesterday's uh, closings, if you will, the markets here in the U.S. being closed. The dollar, which was down to 90.38 yesterday, a little bit of a rebound, uh, 90.6 right now 90.6 on the dollar so i guess the dollar caught a little bit of a bid today i don't expect that to last a uh, matter of fact uh i wouldn't be surprised if by tomorrow we're testing the the new lows again the low by the way that i saw was 90.24 was the lowest i saw uh the dow briefly crested 26,000 it's back below that. Uh, the Dow is up, though, 100-plus points, uh, 25,940. Uh, the S&P's up four. The Nasdaq's up 15. Uh, if there's any good news there, crude oil is down 47 cents, uh, 63.84. We will get crude oil inventories uh, tomorrow. So that's something to look for. If it's a, a bullish report, we'll probably see crude oil uh, Crest 65. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but that'll be tomorrow. So we'll we'll kind of watch out for that and see uh, where that is headed. 
And uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about a couple of things I want to get to tomorrow. I didn't have a chance, but I've been uh, trying to get to the number of older Americans carrying debt into retirement. Uh, I know we keep talking about debt, but it's just everywhere. The fastest growing segment of the workforce. I'm going to leave you with that. Think about the, and this is an age question, fastest growing segment of the workforce, the great American workforce. Uh, and then the the last thing that I, and I didn't get a chance to do it, but I want to, I want to, to get there, median family net worth. The net worth of the average family is below levels from 1989 in debt to money. The worst since 1962. Keep that all in mind. Take the time. Listen, you got to take the time. Put it away. Give us a call. 800-951-0592. What you want to do today, call Wendy and say, Wendy, what do you got today? She's got some deals for you. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back tomorrow.